Hi guys, welcome to Jules and Phoebe, the weekly pop culture and social commentary podcast brought to you by yours truly, Jules and Phoebe. Hi Phoebe, how are you? Hi Jules, I am very well, thank you. How are you? I'm good, you're looking good. Oh, thank you. I had a stunning facial with Skin Doctor. So SKN Doctor on Instagram. I had booked in with her absolutely ages ago at the beginning of lockdown, but obviously everything shut. I was stagnating. I've had like some good skincare. I've had a chemical peel and I'm feeling somewhat more normal. Okay. So the treatment that you did was a chemical peel. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I did a little peel, did a little hydrotherapy, did a little microcurrent, you know. No, it looks good. Like you look like you're glowing. Oh, thank you. Thank you you actually look really good like there's a difference between last week and this week (laughs) not in a rude way I know I'm still not fully there in terms of like actually dressing like my pre-covid self but I have a feeling like that will come in dribs and drabs yeah I mean it's uh I mean I think obviously now that things are opening up a bit in the UK I thought facials were not allowed I don't know. I assume it depends on the place, basically, because I had another appointment booked to get my lashes done that got cancelled. So maybe they're treating it on an ad hoc basis. I know that everything had been very much so sterilised before I came in and was being sterilised after I left before the next client came and everything. But yes, cannot recommend her enough. Dr. Uwoma, Skin Doctor on Instagram. Yeah, check it out. But yeah, so that's all that's been going on with me. Keeping everyone updated. A couple of people did get in touch after my last orthodontics appointment. I will (laughs) be getting braces put on in the next few weeks. So very excited about that. Nice. I can't can't wait to see that. That's going to be a new chapter for us. Yeah, I know. I feel like it will hopefully make me seem younger as well. Because you know the way most people get braces in their teens. I'm like, perhaps I will now come across as a teenager. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I'd love that. When I get ID'd, I love it. I know that we're too young to be worried about getting old, but honestly, I live for being like carded when I'm buying alcohol or something like that. Really, really enjoy it. Yeah, I don't really enjoy that, to be honest. It's such an inconvenience. (laughs) It's an inconvenience if you don't have ID on you. Yeah, if you've got your ID, then I guess it's fine. But when you actually don't have your ID, it is such yeah, an inconvenience. I had a guy ID me recently and I was like, oh my God, thank you so much. Like trying to make a joke out of it. And as I was getting my ID out of my bag, he went, I am completely joking. Don't worry, I can't believe that <laughs> you. Like what an offensive thing to say to me. I was like, oh, I'm never going to shop here again. I will literally go out of my way to not give you business. And when I came yeah. home, I was to tell my husband about it. He was like, oh, that seems like just a kind of a funny joke. And I was like, really? Because people think that I am the older one in our relationship. So I don't want to hear it from you. Anyway, oh, do they? Definitely. But anyway, I digress. How's your week been? My week was fine. My weekend was very, very cool. I went out to Primrose Hill on the weekend. And it's nice. It's just so nice to see people. And I just think for me, one of life's joys is when like you meet new people, but like you mm-hmm. really click with them. Yeah. So two of our friends were celebrating like their 10 years of friendship. Oh, how nice. Which I thought I'm all about friendship. So for me, 
I think that's awesome. So they've been friends for 10 years. Like they met in the US and then reunited just like in London. And I just think it's amazing when a friendship can transcend that amount of time. Mm -hmm. There's so much growth that happens between like university and then like 10 years later, right? So the fact that you can still count on each other and the friendship can kind of grow with you, I think is awesome. So we were out just like drinking and eating pizza to celebrate that nice which is very cool and I'm very obsessed with this show on Netflix it's a French show the English version is call my agent okay oh so you've never heard of this show no no one no one oh this show like honestly it was recommended to me and like we are just obsessed with this show and I highly recommend this show the humor is excellent the writing is like so nuanced and so good and it's also so progressive so what's it about It's basically about an agency, like an acting agency. Okay. But like one of the main characters is a lesbian and she's very much like a bachelor. But what do you call like a lesbian bachelor? Like someone that just seduces women. Bachelorette. Yeah. That doesn't really make any... It's just a pity is what you usually describe them with. So it's never described (laughs) with any kind of a like, oh yeah, she's just living her best life. Oh no, she's basically like a cad. I don't know what the contemporary... Do you know what I mean by a cad? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So she's medieval. a female. Very medieval. <laughs> That's the only thing I can think of, right? But she's a cad, but like in female form and it, you know, obviously contemporary. And so she's just living her best life. She's got loads of lovers. And then she meets someone who like she's really into. And so it's just interesting to see that like more vulnerable side. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, just having a, someone like a main character like that. I don't think I've seen that on British TV. I think you're probably correct. Yeah, I can't think of anything like that on the BBC. And then you've got like another character who's like mixed race. So she's like the black girl and she's an aspiring actress in the show. And then her agent, who's also her boyfriend, puts her forward for a show. And in the description, they're like, oh, it's like you need to be able to dance hip hop and all of this. And then she's aspiring. So she's like, okay, fine. I'll do it, but then she's not a hip-hop dancer. Yeah. So in the end, she flips out at her boyfriend and she's like, just because I'm black doesn't mean, like, I know how to dance hip-hop. Like, what the hell is this? And all these different stereotypes are happening, but the show addresses it in such a nuanced, funny way. Okay. And I'm like, I've not seen that level of nuance um, on British TV. So it's very, very interesting. It's so funny as well. I'll have to check it out. We just started watching and I'm very, very like late to the game. I've said this before. I try to be intentional about what I watch on TV because I don't like the idea of just like having spent the whole day on a screen sitting down in front of another screen. And that's obviously not to say that I watch good quality content when I do watch TV because this is really embarrassing, but I watch a show called Outlander and it's very sexy, but it's the dumbest thing ever. It's absolutely one of those things where you get quite embarrassed if somebody catches you watching it, that kind of a thing. Um, I've heard of the show, but I don't know what the show is about. It, uh, Juliet, please do not make me get into it with you because that's travel <laughs> and it's so embarrassing. Like my husband has come in and I've literally, he's been like, well, why don't they all just go back to the future then? And I have to say stupid sentences like, because there's a genetic component to if you can travel through the stones or not, like, and you need a special jewel. And then I'll be so like defensive and embarrassed because it's so dumb that I'll be like, just get out. I don't want to watch it with you anyway. Okay. But separate to that, we just started watching a show that my friend Alex recommended to us called The Americans. Um, Americans is amazing. Is Okay. So I'm obviously late to the game with this. 
we're only one episode in and I cannot get over it. Okay, so you're episode one of season one. Yeah. Okay, that's a great show. Do you think that you could be, okay, so for context for anyone who hasn't seen it, it's about two KGB spies in the US in like the 1970s, 1960s, Mm -hmm. 70s. Do you think that you could be a spy, Juliet? No. That's good. You couldn't be a spy either. I, I definitely couldn't, but my husband thinks he could be a spy. He's like, do you think I could be a spy? I'm like, absolutely not. Are you joking me? You've never been able to keep a secret in your life. But I think sometimes people have this idea about themselves that they're like, yeah, I could, I could definitely be a spy. It's like... No, as that show goes on, I mean, I think I watched season one and two, but as that show goes on, that's not a life I'm interested in. 100% not. But they're, real, they're a couple in real life. Yes, I was saying this. They fell in love when they were filming, didn't they? And now yeah. they're like married and everything. Yeah, that wouldn't, a uh, life of spying would not be for me. The second I had to do something, like, hide a body, I'm out. Like, <laughs> but I the have show a lot- is so good, just in terms of, I mean, the writing, the acting. The Americans are such a great show. I think I just started to, like, tune out because it now went to, like, they have to groom their kid to become no, a spy. No, don't spoil it. Don't spoil it. I'm yeah, but that's, it. like, season three. That's when I said, okay, I'm done with this. Okay. But, um, it's a great show, great acting. Really like that show. I will say the other thing that I have watched, so I watched The American, Z, excuse me, episode one, season one. I also watched Jada and Will at the Red Table. Oh, my God. So what happened, Jada? I got into a different kind of entanglement. I think um, you need to say clearly what happened. Yeah, and then I got into an entanglement with August. That's what I said. An entanglement? Yes. <laughs> Yes. A relationship. Yes, it was a relationship. Absolutely. You got to go through some to get the answers. I don't want to go through this no more. I'm going to get you back first. Then I don't think it's about getting anybody back. No, for me it is. Okay. 25 years and counting. Mm. We ride together. We we die die together. together. Bad Bad marriage marriage for for life. life. (laughs) (laughs) We did touch on this last week. And when we spoke about this last week, you were saying that your mind wasn't really made up. Obviously, Will Smith at one point was like the number one paid black actor Mm. in Hollywood, right? So obviously he's a mainstream actor. But I don't know if this news of what's happening with him and his marriage has hit the mainstream. Because even on the red table, they were saying, oh, black Twitter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is all over this right now. So I was just trying to get your perspective. If you can speak on behalf of white people (laughs) and let me know. (laughs) Well, I had a quick chat with white people before I came on. And what we're thinking, but I do think that, so from from what I've seen on social media, there's been this kind of narrative of, you can see that he's been crying before they started filming. like Mm -hmm. And so, you know, when you and I spoke about this last week, you basically said, you know, you've got to look at the power dynamics here. You've got to look at this young man being vulnerable, going to his friend's family. And essentially, like, I don't want to use completely sinister language. I don't want to say like she groomed him, but there was a power imbalance there. And I think she took advantage. He has been completely left out of the rhetoric, I think, since Red Table. It's not about him anymore. It's about People either being like, oh, my God, it's incredible to see a couple weather storms like this and come back together versus that's a broken man. Leave her will. You don't need her. This kind of Mm -hmm. thing. Yeah. So because when you were watching it, you were saying, oh, you could tell they're really in love. I did think that to begin with. 
I think that it's because sometimes there's often a very like all or nothing rhetoric around marriage and around relationships. And I think that relationships change. I thought it was going to be longer than 12 minutes. Like mm. I, for anyone listening, I messaged Juliet and I was like, I've just finished the first part. It was all of it. I didn't realize it was only really 12 minutes long, but I thought that they were taking ownership of the fact that, you know what, like we were going through a rough period. We had actually separated. I thought that that was impressive in its honesty. It obviously got a bit strange from that point onwards. I don't know. What were your thoughts? Well, my thoughts were, you know, word on the street is that Will and Jada have an open marriage. Mm -hmm. And they have said that we are life partners. We don't have a traditional marriage. And they've been very open about that. But now when they came to the Red Table talk, they were saying that, oh, we were going through a tough time. We had separated. Yeah when this was going on and so I thought they were walking back their whole like open marriage thing and now it was like oh it was a conventional situation where we had separated we didn't know if we were going to get back together and that was the way they were handling the whole situation of August saying that Will had given his permission mm. so they were like oh no we had separated and no one could give permission but me, which is what Jada was saying. Right. So their whole thing was, oh, we need to clear that up right away because everyone was focusing on, oh, not only did you have this relationship, this extra relationship for four years, Will gave his permission. And that was the other thing as well, that it wasn't actually four years. It took place four years ago. Now, because when we were recording last week, you double checked as we were recording to confirm that what was being talked about was that it was a four-year relationship. And then they said, no, it was, it was four, four and a half years ago, whatever, on Red Table Talk. And it's like, there's an argument to be made here about, obviously, how much you, quote unquote, owe the public when you're talking about topics like this. Obviously, they owe us nothing. But it's one of those things where it's like, would you? Well, I disagree. I disagree. Do you? I'm owed, I'm owed something, right? <laughs> because Jada, especially, the whole Red Table Talk mm. show is all about vulnerability. It's all about interrogating yourself. It's all about accountability. Her brand is authenticity. Mm -hmm. That's what Jada is making money from today. Wow. So as somebody that follows Jada, that... You know, I don't, I, it's not like I'm the number one fan of Red Table Talk, right? But this is the product that she's selling to the public. Mm -hmm. So it's the equivalent of you go and buy something from Nike and it's faulty. Yeah. That's why they had to come to the Red Table and everyone was like, oh, wait a minute, come to the Red Table because you're very quick to dive into everybody else's personal life and talk about yeah. a vulnerable taboo issues when it comes to everybody else. So that's the situation here. It's not somebody that was like super private. That's actually a really good point. That's right. If you are a private person, it's very different. Nobody would have that expectation. But because of Jada specifically building a business and a brand around authenticity and this red table concept, that is why the public or Black Twitter were like, all right, bring yourself to the red table. Let, <laughs> let's talk. Let's see what's going down. So that's kind of the context. And then people are saying, but Will, on the other hand, is a relatively private guy. Mm -hmm. Like they have this open marriage, but we never hear about Will's partners coming out and talking yeah. about their relationship or he's not messy in that way. Mm -hmm. So there was a debate amongst some of my friends where it was like, oh, okay, he was clearly forced to come to the red table. I thought that. I did think that it seemed like an uncomfortable dynamic. But then I'm interested to hear your thoughts because 
in the very early stages of that red table talk he is the one that is like oh no I left you like mm-hmm. I had left your ass I was done with you and yeah. I thought that was really interesting because it's like obviously there's so many different dynamics going on here they've been together for whatever it is is it 20 21 years or something it's a long time but it felt like he was being forced to take responsibility from the get-go and be unequivocal in like oh well I started this so like I started leaving you so you you had a right do you know what I mean it was like a a distortion of the who were supposed to feel sympathy for if that makes sense my interpretation of that was people are saying I gave you permission to go and have a relationship with this guy but no I wasn't involved I had left you I wasn't even sure if I would ever speak to you so that is what that was about. That was about, like, I feel the way his ego would have been bruised by people saying, oh, oh, and Will gave this guy permission. Yeah. And you guys need to go and Google pictures of August and understand why people no, stop. <laughs> understand what's going on. I don't even want to go into that, but there is another layer here, right? So go and Google August <laughs> when he's on the beach and understand what's We're going on. We're trying not to be crude. Yeah. And why people would make fun of fun of Will for this. And so I think that's why he came back and was like, oh, no, we were separated. We weren't even sure we would get back together. Do you think then that that becomes like an aspirational model to look to? Because I think. Of course not. Absolutely not. People want to kind of glamorize the open relationship or glamorize the fact that people can hurt each other so deeply. Mm hmm but then still be able to sit on a red table together. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And people want to say, oh, they've been together for so long. What does being together for so long have to do with this? Mm -hmm. I saw two people that couldn't stand each other. Did you? That's interesting. I saw two people that couldn't stand each other. Imagine they are professionals. We only got 12 minutes of content out of it. Yeah. And a lot of the content was questionable. Like they can't stand each other. And that's why at the end, when Will said, oh, I'm going to get you back. This is not a model that I aspire to be in. This is not a model for a relationship for me. And I think as well, I actually do think that's a really interesting point. Imagine, no, no, no. For me, forget like this situation is obviously extreme, but imagine even just being at home and then you do something, your partner's like, I'm going to get you back. Yeah. What? No, for sure. Yeah, life. Do you know what's so funny? My husband is very, very sensitive. He's a very sensitive soul. And we were watching it and he was like, no, I think he means he's going to win her back. And I was like, I don't think that's what he means. And he's like, yeah, no, no, he's going to get her back. Like he's going to get her love back. (laughs) And I was like, oh my God, I am so deeply cynical. I don't think that that's the vibe right here. Obviously, I messaged Juliet and I was like, oh, Charles is saying this. And Juliet was like unequivocal. She was like, absolutely not. That is not what's going on here. That was not what was going on. And why would I want to get Jada back? Like, I think get her love back. Mm -hmm. Like what I saw, and I don't know if it's internalized sexism and if it's because she's a woman and she's such a savage (laughs) that it was so scary. Mm Mm-hmm. Like it was so scary. It was scary. And I will say why I found this to be gut-wrenchingly scary. 
let me use my adverbs right now. I was so overwhelmed when they said, oh, when August came into our lives, into our family, it was because he was very sick. Yeah. And we didn't know if he would pull through. They basically took care of him, like mm-hmm. his treatment. And for those of you that don't know, August Alcina at the time, and I guess when you're an addict, you're always an addict, right? But he was right. going through a lot with his drug addiction. And he also has an autoimmune disease. So when he was touring, like he had collapsed and a lot of people were concerned about his health, his physical health as well at the time, mental health challenges. And then his own family, like there are a lot of issues where he's not close to his mom. And then one of his siblings passed away. Oh God, how sad. So he was going through a lot. And they both said when he came into our lives, oh, he was very sick. So you've admitted that when he came into your life, he was very vulnerable. Yeah, it's not a good look. It's not a good look. And if we look at the background, Jada is like, oh my gosh, I haven't spoken to him in so long. Blah, blah, blah. But he was on the red table in 2018. Wow. Oh, I need to go back and watch 18 that. months ago. 18 months ago, I he was on the red table. Like. But he was on, the, they were basically talking about, because Jada's mother was a heroin addict and she was talking about how that impacted the family. And then August was also sharing his own experiences. Right. So if you've grown up with a parent who is an addict, yeah. then you understand the challenges of addiction. Mm-hmm. Compound that with everything else that was going on in his life. So it's very clear this is a vulnerable person. She was not naive. Yeah. And actually, and the family were not naive. The family was not naive. But you think you're kind of being like quite, oh, listen, I'm dusting my hands of this. Like, I've not spoken to him in years. And it's almost as though, listen, just as a reminder, that makes you sound worse. The idea that you haven't spoken to him in years and he was super vulnerable, sick, addict, and you've just kind of had some kind of a fling with him. And even though he's your son's friend and he came to you looking for help, you've just kind of discarded that makes you sound worse than if you were like it played out its course it meant more to him than it did to me but obviously I still check in on him and I want to make sure that he gets Mm -hmm. the help he needs but that's why for me it was very overwhelming because Mm -hmm. then you can't even take myth accountability can't even take accountability and says I was in an entanglement He came into my life or our lives and he was sick. And then I got into an entanglement. Yeah. I thought, wow, wow. On the other hand, August is basically saying that he loved her so much. He devoted himself to her. He could die right now because he experienced that type of love. And then the person that he loved so much is basically saying you're an entanglement. What is an entanglement? No, it's so true. And like, I've never been disrespected. I thought I thought I had seen disrespect. I've never seen such disrespect. What's funny about it as well is like people have usually been to some degree on the receiving end of unrequited love, right? Or it like didn't mean as much as it meant to the same person to be so publicly dismissed. Firstly, mm-hmm. it's so painful. But what I always think is funny is, you know, like if you have when you were in your teens or your early 20s, And I always used to think that there was so much confusion and I'm sure it's only exacerbated for generations younger than me now, but the rhetoric around dating, it was never you're dating someone or you aren't like there'd be, yeah, we're texting. Yeah. Like Mm -hmm. we're hanging out, we're seeing each other. And my mom always used to be like, you're either dating someone or you aren't like, I don't understand what all of these levels in between are. What does Mm -hmm. talking mean? 
could he be talking to somebody else like this kind of thing so there's this idea that 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 kind of confusing language is very much for younger generations and to hear a woman who is well into her adulthood two grown children being like yeah it was an entanglement it's like it's so deliberately vague what do you mean so deliberately vague and of course like no one is deserving of anyone's love so mm. I'm not saying that she should have loved him as much as he clearly still loves her yeah but if we put things into context and you understand the person's challenges you were with that person for a long time you played an important role in their life this person was a member of your family whether you like it or not like she was going around saying he is my son um what? no yes yeah. So you're, I'm so sorry. I'm probably being stupid here. So she's saying that, oh, yeah, he's coming around me. He's her son. But she is entangled with him in the background. She's entangled with him in the background. Wow. That is eatable. Like that. No, absolutely. Absolutely. And it wasn't even really the background because when it was going on, he was her date to award shows. They were like always on Snapchat together. So it was very kind of like open. But then, of course, this is Hollywood. You know, people can live the life that they want. Yeah. For me, age is not really the issue here because he was old enough to have a relationship with whomever he wanted to Mm. have the relationship with. But it's that power dynamic. And it's the fact that now that it's out, you're on your platform and you say, oh, I had an entanglement to the point where Will had to step in and humanize August and say, entanglement what's an entanglement it was a relationship like even will had to say no 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 yeah no, 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 don't no. like dismiss this yeah will was like no, no no that was not an entanglement as well though i do think that while you are correct in saying you know he was of an age where he had the capacity to fully consent and i don't want to make any of this more like insidious than it already is but what i do think is that however grown you think you are at like 21, 22, which is the age he was, right? Mm. Correct me if I'm wrong. You are not. And, you know, like, I I think that anyone listening to this episode and anyone who has just been 21 will think, oh, my God, I really thought I was so adult and I didn't have a clue. And so how intoxicating it must be to be with someone who is older and a bit more sophisticated and has the money and the power and the gravitas. That is not an equal pairing in that instance because you are taking advantage of someone's naivety, even if it wasn't the case that he was ill and suffering with addiction. I Mm. still think that that would be the case, that you had a strange power dynamic there. But I do think that in my own responsibility as a white woman, I think that there can be an additional demonization of Jada Pinkett Smith doing this because she's a black woman and it becomes easy to do that because Kourtney Kardashian never gets called out in the same way for having children on her arm, basically. Mm. Like, And probably there is a similar age gap there with her and some of her boyfriends. Yeah, and that's why I don't really focus on age too much, right? Mm -hmm. President Macron's wife is... She's at least 20, 20 years yeah. at least mm-hmm. and so obviously they have their agreement right apparently Macron is a bisexual and okay <laughs> I didn't know that <laughs> oh I learned so much in my French classes really that is yes so funny. 
our French teacher was telling us that, you know, he's bisexual now. He's with one of his bodyguards and like, he's not really like with his wife full time, but his wife was like the vision and helped him like with his career, you know? And I said, that dynamic makes sense because if that's the life you want to live, you need a woman that's like mature Mm -hmm. and can handle all of that. And you have a vision together as a couple. Yeah. And if you look at Will and Jada, they clearly have like a goal that's more than feelings and love and sex. Mm -hmm. They have like a bigger picture of why they are still together. So August was always going to be a casualty. Do you think that in the context of, so say when we look at towards the end of this conversation and while you've already flagged the toxicity of saying something like, I'm going to get you back, I was going to bring your attention to Jada's response to that, which was, I think you've already gotten me back. Like you've more than gotten me back or or words Mm -hmm. to that effect. So do you think that part of the issue here is also the visibility of the whole thing. Because as you said, whoever Will has been seeing, it's certainly not been in the public domain in a very confirmed sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So do you think sometimes the agreement can exist and it's like, listen, we'll both do our own thing. The open marriage rhetoric can work as long as none of us ever has to address the fact that somebody else has a partner. Whereas she, quote unquote, like let the side down because suddenly you've got someone coming out of the woodwork. Well, and that's why you don't have relationships with vulnerable people, Mm. right? There are a lot of rumours about Will Smith, but they're not confirmed because he is not with quote-unquote vulnerable people, right? And all these models that Kourtney Kardashian is dating and, you know, Madonna's, like, young husband or boyfriend or whatever, Mm -hmm. like clearly they're getting something out of that situation as well. It's not one way, it's Mm -hmm. two way. So it's an interesting one because August was never hidden. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's true. In the open, they were always hanging out, but like nothing was being said. So I guess it didn't really, really hit the headlines. Mm -hmm. Now everything is coming out. And I think that that coming out is really what the big issue is for them. Because when they were speaking, they were like, oh, we don't understand why he would be doing this now. And we don't know why he got that impression. But do you know what, actually, I want to... I thought it was victim blaming. I because I felt that there was also an inference there that he was doing it because of his album, because mm-hmm. that was, you know, they were kind of like, oh, yeah, very funny that he would be talking about it now, right? Like when mm-hmm. you lead the audience to water and you're just like, but I'll let you draw your own conclusions, I thought that that was that's a part of it. Like that could be a part of it because people are calling it a rollout because August has got new music coming. Mm. But if you watch that interview, August will only have a platform when he's got music out. Like he's not the kind of he's not as relevant that you would just be like paparazzi would be stopping him at LAX, right? He's mm-hmm. not that big a celebrity. So yes, he's got a rollout. But when he spoke, you could see. Like he was even saying, I'm shaking. Like it's so difficult for me to talk about. So awful. Have you done your research? Have you? I haven't watched it. No. Oh, you watched it. Your view would be completely different if you'd watched this. So when you watch it, he's so vulnerable and he's just like, man, I'm even shaking right now. It's still difficult for me to talk about. When a human being says, I love this human being so much, I could die today. No. You saw that it was just, he had something to say. He wanted to get it off his chest. An album coming out or not, it doesn't change mm. how he felt. It doesn't change the reality of the situation. Yeah. You know, so for me, I felt like they were trying to discredit him. But anyone that watches 
his interview and then watches Jada. You you it's know just, where you're not, at. Yeah, it's just not adding up. That oh, that's so. I think that that's so awful. And I think that what you've also got here is this kind of. Oftentimes, I think when you're in love with someone, you believe like there's no way I would just be in love with a bad person. The mm. bits of them that I'm in love with are are real, for want of a better turn of phrase. <laughs> and to then see that person be like, oh, no, 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 like I am closing ranks against you. This is me and my husband who I was separated from when I was taking advantage of, of you and your vulnerability. And now we're both giving an interview with each other, essentially, and mm. interviews the best word for it, where we discredit you, is dark. It was so dark. And I think it's one of those situations where you love someone, you see the best in them, and you think, if they know how I feel, mm. they they'll acknowledge my feelings in some way. So it just reminds me, and I don't know if it's the most appropriate example, but it reminds me of like all these calls that people are having at work where black people talk about their experiences of racism. Mm. And, you know, I never participate in those calls because I know that everybody knows what racism is. They can either just choose to ignore it. Mm -hmm. And some people that feel that if they do share their story of this horrific experience they had, these white people are going to like open their eyes and like have compassion towards them and see that racism exists and maybe tear white supremacy down, (laughs) right? (laughs) And there'll be a revolution. Um, And I feel like with, with, um, with August, it was like, if this person knows how I feel, if they know that I still love them, you know, maybe they will acknowledge me in some way. Mm. And I will say as well, like, what is so crazy about that? What is so crazy about love, full stop, and, you know, feeling unrequited love is that when you're doing that stuff, you really think in your head, like on some level, that you are going to convince them. Mm-hmm. And there was something really interesting that I was reading recently, and it was basically a conversation about men who kind of pressure into a second date. And so this guy was giving this first account of how he used to be that guy who'd be like, oh, go on, like, you never give guys like me a chance, that real kind of emotional manipulation. And he said that the woman that he was doing it to, they had had a first date and he was going, you know, you won't give me a second chance, all of this kind of stuff that she said, fine, let's go on a second date. But wouldn't you rather be with someone who didn't need convincing, who just would like mm-hmm. to go out on a date with you because you're you and they like you? And he said that it reframed the whole thing for him. His whole kind of ideology was really shaken at this idea that he was like, yeah, you're right. I'm thinking that if I can just get you to go on the second date, then we're going to have a really good time. And this is going to end up where I see it ending up. But ultimately, the convincing shouldn't have to be a part of a healthy story. So Mm. if you're saying that stuff, you know, as you said, I could die right now having experienced love like this. You shouldn't have to do that because you want someone to be like, you know what, August, it actually meant a lot to me as well. Yeah, but the irony of it all is that when you see that interview and she's like, oh, entanglement, and she's like, oh, can't imagine where he would get this impression from, I would really question... I mean, obviously, I'm not August. I don't know how he felt about that. But I don't know. It was very cold hearted with with just knowing the whole context of it. Like when they were talking about the relationship and then Will said something. I can't remember what he said. But her response was, I don't consider it a transgression because I grew. 
Like she said, we're saying she grew a lot. She felt she was emotionally immature before. She does not consider it a transgression because she grew. And she was in that situation because she wanted to feel good. Mm. So it wasn't because, oh, August was such a great person. It's somebody that I was attracted to or anything. It was, I was in that situation because I needed to feel good. And I don't consider it a transgression because I grew. That, and I learned a lot about myself. Because my interpretation of it was when she said, I don't consider it transgression. I felt that she very much so meant that as because you had left me, you had mm. said that you needed this separation. So I felt that that was her trying to put it back on her partner and say, I mean, aside from that, I still think she is taking very little responsibility for mm. a vulnerable person in this instance. But I do think that it was also designed to be quite unequivocal in I'm sorry, there's nothing for me to apologize for because yeah. I was a free agent. Yeah, in terms of her own relationship or her own marriage, be free because mm -hmm. they have a free on the free love highway type of marriage. Yeah, for sure. Right? But when you say, oh, I needed to feel good, you basically use this young man to make you yeah. feel good, to make you feel young, to make you... Yes. It was like Stella got her groove back, basically. Yeah. And that, that scenario. And Mike issue as well is not just like okay he's vulnerable but when you think about the family dynamic and you think about the fact that this young man doesn't have a great relationship with his family and then gets brought into her family yeah becomes one of the kids hanging out with Jada her mom so his new mom his new grandma yeah and all of this and then and then when somebody's got a bad relationship with their own mother that creates a different type of attachment when they meet someone mm -hmm. that's old enough to be their mother yeah and he felt that he was receiving all of this love. And then obviously, because Jada is not going to leave Will or was yeah. not going to leave Will at that time, you take that love away, you take away the romantic love and then you take away the family love. Yes, of course. That is very traumatizing. Yeah, it's doubly painful because you've given and taken away. There are people that are like, wow, they can love each other through anything. These guys don't love each other. It is a good point to note that... That is obviously not what a healthy open marriage should look like. Now, I've got no idea what a healthy open marriage. I've got no examples of a healthy open marriage. Yeah. I will say in terms of receipts, right? So Jada within like pop culture is known like her and Tupac, like were young actors together. Yeah. And like Tupac was in love with Jada. And like Jada has done so many interviews about her relationship with Tupac while yeah. she's been married. So people are like, Jada's first love is actually in heaven. That's why she's not bothered Jesus. about Will. Like, she's got no interest. So she's been entangled for a very long time, if that makes sense. My gosh. Yeah, it's tough as well, because in a situation like that, you know, someone tweeted that she is often having conversations about things and her experience with people while not actually inviting them to have a seat at the table. Can um, I have an example? Well, I uh, no, but this is it. It was a tweet. And I thought that yeah. it was just like quite an interesting one. But it does kind of re-echo what you say. Like she promotes this authenticity. She'll be talking about things and her interactions with things, but discussing them in such a way that nobody else gets to put their other side out. So, I mean, I can't speak with any authority. I've watched maybe three episodes of Red Table Talk. And one of those was the Jordan Woods one. And one of them was the... One with Will Smith on Friday night. So Yeah, but, but Jada is someone who is just like 
very enigmatic. She has a lot of energy. She has a lot of presence. Mm -hmm. Like she's super powerful. Like I don't think I've watched like a full Red Table talk, right? But just through the culture, like Jada has always been there. Very strong, very dynamic, really interesting woman. And I don't know if she was male, if it would be... Mm -hmm. She basically said he knew what it was. That's basically what she said. So if she was a man that was kind of like, well, you knew what it was. I don't understand where you're getting all of this from now or why you you would be coming out now. Yeah. Maybe it's something that wouldn't shock people. I think obviously being a woman does play that part. Yeah. And I think that we're also probably on some level, we're not used to women being the, the callous party. Hmm. Just in a kind of a social media setting. Yeah. Or in a, a media absorption setting, it is always like the wronged woman as opposed to the wronged man. And I think that that's probably why this is all a bit like why August Alsina has all but been removed from the rhetoric. Because yeah. now it's just about like Jada Smith and her husband discussing where to go from here. Where I just want to see if they stay together. It'll be an interesting one because I just don't get the point. Like, why would you stay together unless you've got so much dirt on each other now? Yeah. That you just feel you must stay together, but well, that relationship doesn't... Your assets. Pardon? Well, you don't want to lose half your assets. I don't know. Maybe. It's deep. I really enjoyed it, though. On a similar kind of vulnerability note, just to touch on, I know we don't have much time left, but the um, Free Britney movement. Mm. I had known about this just in the sense of just knowing it was like something that has been ongoing for years. But for those of you who don't know, Britney Spears is under conservatorship. I've said that wrong, but her father is her conservator and he basically has authority over everything with her. I think that there's a lot of her fan base who are perturbed that she is like being held against her will. But I don't know if you have any thoughts on that as a whole. That could be a podcast in and of itself, but just as a cliff note, I don't know if you've got any thoughts on that and the further exploitation of vulnerable people. Well, I watched a documentary on this. There was a Dirty Money episode on like State Guardians. Oh, right. Yeah, on Netflix. And there are a few episodes in the new Dirty Money series, but that really blew me away. So if you get to the point where you are considered to be vulnerable, mm -hmm. then if I'm a relative of yours, I could basically go to court and petition to be your guardian. Right. And then your estate is signed over to me. Jesus. And there's a lot of that going on in the US. In the US, it's big business. And the challenge you have is that when guardians step in and they mismanage the person's funds, it's not considered criminal. And also, am I right in saying, and you can probably clarify this, when that happens in the US and someone gets their estate signed over, like, so say you and I are relatives, I'm, I'm quote unquote vulnerable, you take possession of my estate, I might not even necessarily know, or nobody else in my family might find out yeah. you've been given this. You won't know, I can hide you away, I can control who sees you. Like there was one example of this guy who's like a millionaire, but like older, so super paranoid. And he was keeping large sums of cash at home. And then he wanted to go and like buy a house or something. And then he made like a very large transaction with cash. And when he made that transaction, it was flagged that maybe something's going on. And he had a, a common law wife. They've been together years, very, very happy. But then 
anyone in the US, like different systems can initiate this uh, you are vulnerable claim. So this guy was a bank and they were saying, oh, is his wife or is his living partner taking advantage of him? And then when this happened, it goes to court and they they didn't want to make his living partner of like seven years. They didn't want to give her the guardianship because she's not his wife. And he had some like relative that he didn't know. <gasps> no. Grand, great grand uh, nephew, uh, nephew niece, whatever. So she took over the guardianship. And then started spending his money, selling his Mustang, wow. selling his stuff, selling his house, refusing communication with the partner. And what happens is that ends up making you vulnerable because she shut down his business. So yeah. he was going to the shop, you know, repairing his cars and stuff. And so took that away from him, took the partner away from him. And that slowly kills a person. Yeah, for sure. Loads of examples of this. And then the other example was this guy who fell into a depression after his mother died. And so he stopped maintaining the property. Oh God. Like didn't maintain the outside. Let's say he didn't paint his house or mm-hmm. take care of the outside. The neighbor then complains like the council. Oh my God. And like, I don't know what's going on with this guy. Initiate. And then he went to the bank to do something. Boom, initiate. This guy is vulnerable. This time it was like a state. People sign up to be guardians from the state. Dark. This is so dark. This is super dark. And then because he had no family, this state person ended up being the guardian He's got a property portfolio, starts selling his property. He doesn't know what's going on. And every time they do something on your behalf, you're paying them to steal from you. Like it's awful. Then he gets put in like a assisted living home. And then, you know, these homes cost a lot of money, but then all his money's gone. You've got no one. Like I always get sad when I see vulnerable people being exploited. That is a very good documentary to show you what guardianship is in the U.S., Okay, so I, because I was having a brief conversation, basically as a a kind of a byline on this whole thing for anyone listening who doesn't know about it, a lot of people feel that Britney's father is basically less than altruistic in being her state appointed guardian. And my husband and I were talking about this briefly and I was saying, well, at the end of the day, if you've never had to work really because your child has been your cash cow since she was seven on the is it the mickey mouse club that she was on Mm. you have no concept of earning your own money the only money that you've ever had is from making your daughter work and i feel like i'm not a super huge britney stan but i do think that once she had her breakdown in 2007 she had earned enough money and she had earned her right to just not have to be in the public eye anymore and i don't believe that she does want to be like I think she wants to do a weird little Instagram video. Hmm? Yeah, but is she is she in the public? Is she touring? She was doing. Uh, I don't know if it's still ongoing. Obviously, with COVID and everything, but she was she had a, a year's contract, if not more, in Vegas, where she was performing okay. every night, basically. So I know that people like Celine Dion and Mariah Carey will do those things because they're huge revenue generators, and maybe we'll do them for a year or something like that because you can maintain the stamina for a certain period of time, but it's not like there's no longevity to it because obviously I, I can appreciate it probably is super exhausting. Cher does it, things like that. But I don't think that Britney wants to be doing it. I don't think she wants to release new music. I don't think that she wants to go on tour. Like It's a tough one because Britney has mental health issues. Absolutely. So I can't imagine that she would want to be shaking her ass in Vegas yeah, at this sure. point in her life, you know? 
I haven't like followed that whole like conspiracy situation, but after watching this documentary, yeah. guardianship is very real in the US and guardians have a lot of power and they are not susceptible to like, it's not the same as like white collar crime or like fraud. It's seen as like a very minor thing if you misspend and misuse and exploit the people that you have custody of. Jesus. In the US, like it's big business. You should watch that documentary. It's huge I business check it out i do think that sometimes i'm just like i just want to watch you know those kgb guys they seem like they're having a good time I'm just gonna watch the americans <laughs> but yeah i mean obviously then in the the further context of that because her fans believe that she is you know being forced to perform against her will she's being held against her will mm. they're like commenting on her posts and things like that saying that you know wear a yellow shirt in your next video if you if you aren't safe or if you want to break <laughs> free and things like that which I have to praise and it's creativity but I think probably like you're not going to get anywhere if you just wear a yellow shirt but yeah it's interesting and I guess the reason that it came to mind when we were talking about Jada and Will and August it's just interesting because of the approach that we have to vulnerable people where was it you who was saying this to me or was it my husband? He was talking about, I've never watched South Park or anything like that, but he was saying that there is an episode where they discuss things like this. And basically the idea is that we have not evolved from, you know, ancient Rome watching gladiators fight to the death. Like we are so voyeuristic. We love to watch people go through something traumatic. We love it to be performed for our entertainment and then when it's like oh that was really depressing Brittany okay if your dad is actually taking advantage of you I did not enjoy learning about that I think the thing with Brittany is that she has been taken advantage of like you said for most of her career Mm -hmm. and you can just tell she's a little bit unstable she's such an icon I do hope that everything is okay And, you know, I do hope just as people, we can have a lot more empathy for vulnerable people. And I think the reason why this August thing has really impacted me, you know, when I see people say, oh, yeah, he should man up. Yeah. No man can be taken advantage of by a woman. He knew what it was. And it's such toxic masculinity. And it's like, can we evolve out of this? This Mm -hmm. is like a two dimensional understanding of humanity. Like just because he's a man doesn't mean he cannot be taken advantage of. And also, I I think you're totally right. I think also what's interesting about that example as well is like I said, I've been seeing a lot of stuff about like, oh, look at this man, like about Will Smith. Look at Mm. this man, he's broken. Oh no, but Will is broken. Will is broken. I'm sure that he is. And I don't say that to- That guy's got issues. But I do think that it's interesting that we would prefer to project- onto someone who has not said anything about feeling vulnerable and we're like he is vulnerable look at him he looks like he's been crying he looks so upset but then in contrast when a man is telling us I'm shaking saying this I am actually vulnerable we're like Mm. get over it so embarrassing oh my god Mm. stop telling us about it yeah but also I think it's because relationships and marriage you know started off marriage as an institution is about property it's about power Mm -hmm. And naturally people, like Will's position is meant to be like power. Yeah. But then you've got a partner who we all know, she talks about other men more than she talks about Will. Yeah. 
that's the situation we have with Jada. And now on top of it, you've got this August situation. So I think just from a patriarchal perspective, it's more natural for people to feel sorry for this guy whose yeah. wife had another relationship and then look at August as the person that kind of intervened and should have knew what it was and should man up. That's interesting. That's kind of like my only logic about why people are pouring their support onto Will. There's a lot of jokes being made. Like the internet is laughing at him, but there is this assumption of man, like, oh, Will's just going through so much. No, that is true, actually. I hadn't considered it like that. I do think that we're a little bit obsessed with the institution of marriage sometimes and that that's like the... You know, you see stupid tweets like, you know, our grandparents' generation didn't throw the towel in, da, 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 and it's like... Oh, throw the towel in, throw the towel in, mate. Me, I'm done. I'm throwing a towel in. I'm putting a fork in it. Finish. Absolutely. Bye. I was just going to say it. It's like you said at the beginning of this episode, if there's nothing healthy about it, it's not an institution worth staying in just so that you can say, I've been married for this long. But that's what I feel they do. I feel yeah. they glorify the pain and the warpedness and say, you have to go through this mm-hmm. to have a relationship that's lasted as long as ours. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, I just find that pretty challenging. We will see how, you know, this unfolds. Hopefully the entanglement book is closed because mm. I'm I'm done with those guys. Like, I'm interested to see. I think that they, if they do split, they won't split anytime soon because they won't have gone through that whole like fist bump fiasco. Yeah, it could be a challenge. It could be an issue of assets, right? Because Will, according to the internet, is worth 250 million. Jada is worth 50 million. I don't know where they were married, but if they were married in California, for example, everything is on the table. And Will might not want to walk away from his money. For sure. For sure. Um, 20 plus years marriage, two children. Jada is like. The oncology school thing that they both run? No. Do they run? I don't. I don't know. I don't know if they run a Scientology. That's for school. another day. That's for another day. But it's like Jada's trying to push this guy over the edge and be like, "Yeah, divorce me and what?" <laughs> That's the biggest payday. <laughs> She'll just go run back off to August, like oh, she man. will become a hundred millionaire. Let's get August on the show, guys. Thank you for listening. I want to hear your thoughts on the whole. I know you were watching, so I want to hear everybody else's thoughts on Red Table Talk as well as. Jules always says, share the podcast with a friend who might have also watched the Red Table Talk. Share the podcast with a friend. This is mandatory now, guys. <laughs> like, if you like the podcast, share it. <laughs> please, please share it. We really appreciate it. We appreciate you doing the reviews as well. It makes a big difference to us, for sure. Yeah. Um, it makes a big difference if you if you like the podcast if you leave a review and if you share it with a friend, this is huge for us. It is. We're just, we're hustling. Yeah, <laughs> we're literally hustling. It's, it's we're literally hustling. Hustle. Share it with a friend and then let us know if you shared it with a friend. And at some point, if we've got any money to put behind this thing, we'll enter you in a prize if you've shared it with enough friends. <laughs> exactly. Jules, I love you. Have a great week. Bye, guys. Bye, guys. Bye.